Welcome back to Nota Bene. Nate and I... How are you? I am doing super well. Just hanging out here in the office at Union Square. Winter has arrived. Mm -hmm. I'm cold. Mm -hmm. I've already worked out this morning. I've been to uh, to go clean up and see some some pictures close up in the auction houses. Had my little infrared light out. And uh, now I'm ready to uh, be joined by our ringer, a man who actually knows Mm -hmm. what he's talking about. Mr. Locke Kressler joining us from London Town. Hi, Locke. Hi, how are you? Locke, welcome back to Nota Bene. This is my, my favorite episode. <laughs> my favorite episode twice a year. Locke comes and explains the auctions to us and to all of our listeners who desperately need this information. Yeah, Locke, of course, who's a, a fantastic, uh, mostly secondary market dealer, but really knows kind of a lot of the backstory on some of these lots that go way over Nate and I's head. So we always like to have him here and drop some knowledge on the people. He's also just one of our favorite people to hang out with, to grab a martini with, uh, maybe some fresh shellfish. To come to the Chelsea game with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah. We should, I our mean. newly anointed uh, Chelsea fan. Oh, here. my God. I, I, I'm going to piss off, you know, three quarters of the art world when I say this. But yes, I'm now an, uh, an official Chelsea fan. You've converted me, Locke. He took you to, an, he took you to a game, one. Nate? Mm-hmm. A ma- excuse me, a uh, match? Is that what it's called? You get to... A match, yeah. But yeah, I got to London a few days early, and Locke had tickets to the, the Chelsea match on, on Saturday before the fair. And my God, was it glorious. Yeah, I don't think I prepped you enough that we are right up against the away fans, and it's uh, it's a little intense. When I saw you with a blazer on, I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> you wore a blazer to the match, Nate Freeman. That's incredible. Did we get him a scarf at least of some sort? <laughs> we did actually. Next yeah. year. Yeah. Next year. I love to hear it. I I I love it. Um. And uh, you are in London this week, Locke, not coming over for the sales, doing all your work remotely, as is this podcast. Will you see? Will we see you uh, on the beach in Florida this coming December? We will. I've made specific arrangements so I can be there for our uh, annual Sunday ritual. So Let's go. A little bit of horse trading, not just in the art market, but on the home front as well. Love to see it. Um, all yeah, right, then, let's it. get into it. We, we, we're we cracking things off. Is it tomorrow night? No, tonight that we're cracking things off tonight, at Sotheby's? Sotheby's. Uh, yeah, tonight at Sotheby's. So we've got up on York um, two auctions that are coming up. Obviously, coming off the backs of the, you know, the, the results last week. I know you guys sort of covered a lot of this in the, the previous podcast, but it was I was kind of going back through my old notes, and I realized the last time we met, for the May auctions, we, you know, I sort of made the comment that uh, there was going to be about $1.9 billion worth of art that was coming up uh, in those two weeks. And I said to myself, you know, who's going to buy all this art? And I was proven completely wrong. And, you know, it did extremely well. And there was, it went away above the $1.9 billion low estimate. But the crazy thing is, is we haven't, I mean, technically haven't really started the auction week. We've, we've had this great sale, but Already, we've sold one billion six hundred and twenty-two million dollars, <laughs> and then there's another just in the evening sales alone between Phillips, Christie's, and Sotheby's. Uh, there's one million or one billion one hundred and thirty-seven million dollars worth of art to sell at just as the low estimate. So, I mean, it's just going to be one of these record-breaking years, and it seems to happen more and more. And I just, you know, I worked at Christie's for ten years, and we would hit these peaks and thinking that well, we're never going to crest that. And it just seems to kind of keep going and going. And obviously it was, it was incredible to see also the, the part two 
and how well that did of um, Paul Allen's collection. Um, you know, again, you know, 24 works of art, uh, 24 works set artist records. And then they had two works on paper, uh, like a John Singer Sargent and a Paul Clay, which made records for the artists on paper. Um, so it's just sort of a, it's a note on how strong a collecting eye had, how much the sort of brand of certain people, you think about like the Ganses, uh, how that sort of storied collection kind of carries through and pushes. And the other interesting thing I noticed was that when we were meeting, the financial markets were in a questionable state, similar to now, but also it was like the same week that there was this giant drop in the crypto market. And we've just had the same thing happen with FTX. And, you know, I don't think there's a huge play that happens into these types of markets, but, you know, I mean, it, the most I'm hoping it's all the, you know, um, all the crypto bros will stop coming on the booth asking if we're interested in a, NFTs in Miami. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's, 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 uh, it's a tricky moment, but it seems that we've been able to ride these storms out in the art world sort of for some reason. Um, and you know it's it's one of those that i'm hoping continues on to next week and i think what's great about uh, this week i should say sorry um uh what i think is great about it is that there are some collections that are coming up i.e the solinger collection this evening at sotheby's which you know works that were purchased directly from the artist works that you know had been off the market in over you know 60 70 years um and it just you know it's these fresh fresh um pieces from storied collections that i think are going to again help drive those uh those high numbers and kind of give, give confidence back into the market so um yeah we, we i mean and it seems just to, to tie up last week i mean there was there's significant it felt good that there was some depth of bidding even at these really really big lots um you know yeah, I mean, uh, which is you know and i think more and more we're seeing that the you know the art economy is somewhat and, and even especially this highest end of the art economy is somewhat wrested from other financial markets and and other asset classes writ large yeah and i mean i was i was doing a bit of a dive into alan's collection and you know you think about art and I hate to use this as an investment, but there were some incredible things that did carry on. I mean, you think about, um, you know, when the early purchases he made was in 1997 of Monet's Waterloo Bridge. It sold on one bid, but he bought it for $8.2 million in 97 and sold it for $64.5 million. You've got Gauguin, which he really pushed on at the time. Um, and, you know, he bought that in 2004 for $39.2 million, which was an absolute stonker of a price. That sold for 105.7. The Klimt, I mean, I, I worked at Christie's when the Blockbauer collection um, came up after the restitution. And, you know, the main painting sold for less than this is resold for. Um, <laughs> and, you know, you look at him spending $40.3 million in 2006, and 16 years later, it sells for $104.5 million. I mean, those are incredible sort of returns. Uh, I mean, not everything had that kind of return, but obviously had that kind of just, you know, eagle eye and Midas touch. So, I mean, putting into action, and, the, the to paraphrase someone else, you know, when you spend the most as he did for masterpieces, uh, you know, they tend to be a great investment in the long run. Completely. Completely. And I think what was good about, I mean, what was scary for me about the collection was that you had all these works that were over like 100 or over 50 and you look at sort of Maclow's collection, which was varied and there were high level works that were in there, but not 
the dominant figure of it. I mean, the average lot value for that sale of 60 works was $25 million. So, you know, it's tricky waters to get through in any, in any time, especially one where it's a little bit, you know, uh, nervous in the, the financial markets and inflation and everything else going on. So hats off, chapeau. Um, very pleased with how they did that. Um, yeah. And then I guess just like for, for this evening's auction, as I mentioned, the Solinger collection's coming up. Um, David Solinger died actually in 1990 and the family is now selling the collection. Um, there's 23 works in the group. So it's a standalone sale prior to the, the modern sale. And you know, he was a, a lawyer specializing in television and advertising law. And he was a trustee at first, first to the Whitney and then became president of the board. He was the first non-Whitney family member to hold that, that title and, you know, really drove the, the, the Met Breuer building. I mean, not the Met Breuer building, the Breuer building, the Whitney Breuer building, to then turning into it. Um, but what I found, you know, uh, a gamble on their side is that they haven't, they don't want to guarantee. I think they've got a very heavy uh, enhanced hammer. So it's, you know, it's, there's some risk in there. And a lot of these works, I mean, he acquired directly from the artists at the time that he assembled this. I mean, there's some incredible, incredible things in here, like really special. There's absolutely, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, a couple of ones like, uh, uh, Miro's Femme Etoile, uh, from 1945, it's estimated 15 to 20. He purchased it in 1951 to talk about fresh. Um, and I just sort of curated this group, which felt more like a tiny exhibition and an art fair, but it was, it was looking at Miro after the war. And this is kind of that real, I mean, it couldn't get more of a point to it because it was painted on the 7th of May, 1945, the day that the German high command signed the unconditional surrender. So you think about what's going on in the world at that point and, um, you know, an incredible kind of moment in time. And, you know, I think by comparison, it's it's priced relatively well, so it should be able to kind of have legs behind it to to, to push it up to uh, you know a strong strong number. And then he also has um, a beautiful Giacometti, which is the the three walking men. Um, it was originally was conceived in 1948. His cast is from 1952, and what happened was he uh, had seen the works. Um, uh, he was buying it through Pierre Matisse's gallery. He had gone to uh, Giacometti's studio, saw this example in his studio, and it was being shipped from there to the United States. And in the middle of transport, it was damaged. It had to go back to the artist. And actually, having seen some of the works in Europe where he was painting the surface of the bronze, he sent a letter asking him if he would paint paint the bronze. So it's become this very like unique object even though it's within an edition um and again i mean he bought it in 1952 i mean I, you don't, just don't see these kind of provenance like that uh, where something's coming up and you know beautiful de kooning from 1950 uh that i recently saw at the uh, if you went to the abstract expressionist show at uh, the royal academy um that's included in there is it included the really famous moma traveling survey exhibition 1968 so it's got that great history and um, yeah, beautiful Picasso as well. Yeah, I mean, it looks in, it's, it's all kind of, you know, they've installed it sort of separately in the side room on the top floor. I think it's the third floor there where the exhibition. So it, it kind of lives as an, is, as its own little thing. I, mean, I did hear some chatter uh, kind of on the sales floor that like 
these are really aficionados pictures and objects in some ways. They don't have the, you know, so it's going to really appeal to the true connoisseur collector, maybe more so than, than, than the mega bucks trophy hunters. Um, so I know there's a little bit of concern um, about that, but since the house doesn't have any money on it, um, you know, hopefully they'll be able to match up those connoisseurs with the objects on offer. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Picasso is a great example of it. It's a good scale. It's 1927. It's the same month that Picasso met Marie Therese. Um, but it's this, you know, it's, it's, it's an odd, you can't tell if it's Marie Therese or if it's Olga. And it's, you know, writers have said different things about it and, and art historians have, but it's definitely not like the flash and, you know, uh, thing that is going to immediately go to an Asian collector, let's say, um, not to generalize, but, um, yeah, but th those are kind of my highlights from that. And then, uh, the, the just the modern evening auction kicks off um, with uh, they've got 46 lots in their sale and um, they've got another great collection, which is the William Paley collection sold to benefit MoMA. You know, was the, he was the founder of CBS. He also served as their uh, their chairman of the board and president during his lifetime. And, you know, it's a beautiful collection of Picasso, Miro, Rousseau, Bonnard, Doral, Rodin. And MoMA's actually, you know, he, he had 81 works he donated to the museum. Uh, 30 of them are what are going to be auctioned um, in the sales. And, you know, it's great, just, you know, great group of works. And you've got, you know, Picasso's um, 1919 sort of analytical cubist painting. Um, you know, it was off the market since it was purchased at Pierre Matisse's gallery in 1946. I just, it's wild saying these kind of, these dates so and obviously the stamp That's of MoMA incredible. um yeah um and then you know outside of those collections you've got the the Mondrian the composition number two coming up um it's been it's been reported so I feel like I can say that it's Peter Simon from Monsoon and Accessorize um and you know they secured a third-party guarantee for it and it's kind of coming off the back so that great great um by the retrospect to this summer, which I know both of you went to. Um, yep. And it's, you know, it's it's got estimate on request, but it's in the region of $50 million. So it should automatically sort of set a record price, which was for composition number three, uh, that sold in 2015 for basically just over 50. So um, I also kept giggling about that federal state of uh nordrhein westphalia and dusseldorf where they've had the painting for decades hung upside down in their uh in their galleries so yeah wild. i thought that was an incredible incredible story um yeah and i think my one of my favorite works from that that sale um i know we're more in the the the, the older land but um there's this henry henry moore reclining figure festival right so they're were five editions plus one artist proof that were made. The last two records at auction were for this exact same sculpture, but in a different edition. And mm -hmm. the record is, it, you know, they're asking in the region of sort of 30 million with a guarantee. Um, yeah. This one, you know, the record was at 32 million 766 from 2016, but I was still at Christie's in 2012 when the first one came up and it was estimated three and a half or three and a half to five and a half million pounds and made 30 million, uh, 30.3 million dollars. Um, and I just, I love this work. 
It was first shown at the Festival of Britain in 1951. It was a different edition. Uh, and it was like horribly panned by the audience. It's sort of post-war Britain. They look at this thing as this emaciated woman. Um, and then after the festival, it was offered to the city of Leeds in 1953. And it caused such a stir that it was ultimately mm -hmm. just like vandalized, like someone threw blue paint all over it. And I found this article in the Yorkshire Post at the time where, where they wrote, must Leeds always be the dumping ground for every freak that can be performed by painters and sculptors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's arguably one of the most important works by the artist. And, you know, that works now in the National Gallery safely. Um, and the Musée National in Paris uh, has another one. And the Tate's got the original cast. So, and this one was the one that the, the Moore family kept for themselves and then sold in the 70s. And it's coming from that collection now. So, so amazing, again, amazing, again, amazing, something so. that's been in a single collection for 40 years since it's been in the yeah. marketplace. Yeah. So, um, and then I, should we stick with Sotheby's or do you want to? Yeah. Whatever you want, Mark. Be yeah, what, what, however, however your notes go. I, got, I have all the sales up on my iPad here, so you, you lead. So I'd say if we stick with Sotheby's, they've got their contemporary evening auction taking place on the 16th. Um, you know, again, there's more collections that are coming up. You've got Tony Shafrazi is selling three works in the yep. sale. He's got a you know really nice Keith Haring tarp, this sort of Bosquet screen print on canvas. And he's got a Christopher Wool that's estimated two to three, two or two and a half to three and a half. And it's like a steal. It does because he bought it in 2015. What's arguably like the peak of the market uh -huh. uh, for three million eight hundred ninety thousand dollars. Right. And I mean, that's a pretty big haircut if it sells on the low. Yeah, I so, mean, yeah. and I, I don't have it noted as being guaranteed in my notes, but I might have missed that. It is guaranteed. It yeah. is guaranteed. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I think that's still at that estimate is maybe a tough sale. So I'm not sure if people really feel like the bottom is there for those but it's an incredible incredible picture yeah i mean i, I think it really is yeah I, there's still a lot of connoisseurs out there i think it, it'll it'll still kind of hold its own but it's it's a gamble um and there's another great collection which is the sherry and joel mallon collection um you know they had buckcorn sculpture park in pa pound ridge which is like 15 acre grounds and 10,000 foot square foot art barn and they had their home there and it they already sold 63 works from the collection um in um at Sotheby's in London and then they're going to basically keep doing tranches all the way through till October of 24 um and there's wow. going to be a, a whole auction just dedicated to outdoor sculpture with 31 works um in February so it's you know they've got a great I mean, it's the most scattered eye I've ever seen, but it's like there are these amazing. The highs are there. really high for me, at least my aesthetic. I mean, I would say, uh -huh. you know, we don't see that much A. Gober come up on the market. Um, no, we don't. Really. And we have in, in this sale good. is like, I mean, I really want this. The, the, I forget what it's, it's an untitled work, but the torso with the drain, you know, it's, it's built into the floor very much for me, similar to what's at the shroud logger, at least, you know, um, kind of, you know, in tonality and in what you get. Um, in terms of moving water, you have the human figure and body, you have the built environment, everything that I would want in a Gober. Um, a tough work for auction, I would argue. You know, it's it's fairly avant-garde and, and fairly installation-based. But, I mean, absolutely incredible. You know, guaranteed, obviously, they have a global guarantee on their work at 6 to $8 million for this particular piece. But, you know, you, don't, you can't really get these. I mean, much like... Um, 
you know, much like some of the modern stuff that's coming up that's been in the same collection for, you know, decades and decades, this is not the sort of thing that comes up on the market. And I hope that there are people out there that recognize that and are, are, are able to, to go after it. Yeah, I mean, there's it's an addition of two plus one artist proof. The artist proof's at the ICA in Miami. And this one actually came up in 98. And it's this kind of lore at Christie's because it was the cover of the, the contemporary sale. And they they were being very avant-garde for Christie's at the time. And they did this slip jacket. So the top was the, uh, the drain and then underneath was the torso. Um, and they got sued by Gober because if you took the slip jacket off, the work ceased to be a full work of art. And so it became this like embittered lawsuit. But anyway, they managed to sell it, went to a great home, obviously, and now it's coming back up. But, um, and the other work from their collection I love is the, the Rondonone, which I know Ben will know very well because of the new museum having the same edition. Yep. Hell yes, baby. <laughs> um, I mean, if, you know, I miss it. I miss Hell yes in the museum. It always made me smile when I walk past it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's so identified with that institution, even though obviously this is not the, the same. It's an addition work, and that was the AP, I think, that was at the New Museum is still held in the collection. Uh, I mean, kind of a fantastic work by Ugo. Um, totally. I'm actually really attached to this. I don't want to say too much because like, I'm, I'm ultra attached to it, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure about the commercial possibilities for it going forward as an investment, but I think it's such an iconic piece of New York history in a way, and it can go anywhere. Um, you know, We don't see a ton of Ugo uh, in the evening sales. I'd say this is even a bit of a stretch to put, to put a big building facade light like this in, um, but I'm interested to see how it does. Um, I just have what a about this soft spot for Ugo? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course. I, I, I put one of the the clowns on the cover of my uh, day sale. It's one of my like last, I think second to last auction. I'm, the great thing about this is that you know if you're if you're out of wall space and like you know you own some buildings, you know you get a country house and a barn. I mean, how great would this look over with, with they're called in the Hamptons party party yeah. barns as they call them because they're accessory structures yeah, you're not supposed to live in. Uh, so people have like kind of like theaters and hangout rooms like this on the side overlooking the pool. Like hell yes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I'm interested. I'm not interested, but, you know, there's this Francis Bacon triptych uh, uh, mm -hmm. coming up, unguaranteed at an estimate, or at least the last time I checked. Yeah, there's no IBs on it. 30 to it's 40. It's not guaranteed. Nine. Yeah. Um, is this, I would be concerned if this were my sale, maybe, about getting this off. Is this, does this feel like it's, a, it's, it's an easy sale to you, Locke? You know, I would say having seen the similar Henry Morez painting that came up in London. I know they really struggled to get that off yeah, the ground. That's I what I mean. Take, take kind of a, a hit on it as well with their guarantee. And, you know, I have a huge affinity for these types of works. Um, it's, you know, it's a beautiful painting. It was part of this collection. I don't know if you remember, it came up in 2011. Um, it was uh, George Kosselet's, um collection in Geneva. It was called Looking Closely, a private collection. And, in that sale, it was one of like, I think it was the top lot, but it sold for $37 million. And now it's coming in at 30 to 40. Right. In some ways it's a bargain. I mean, but you know, I look at something like, like that. I mean, bacon to me, I absolutely love, um, you know, there's three pictures that came up at, at Christie's in my life. And, uh, there was the, um, the Michael Crichton Johns, um the little flag i just fell in love with that and it was sort of before i knew it was in the sale it was hidden in a room and went and looked at it 
Um, there was the green car crash. And again, I was like a young uh, specialist. And I know Rob, who's the writer, was like under secrecy for three months writing this huge book on it. Um, and someone had said, go downstairs and just look in the galleries. And I sort of poked my head in and I was just blown away. And then the third one was the Francis Bacon triptych, uh, again, of uh, Three Studies for Lucian Freud, which is the large one. And, you know, I had the um, pleasure of being on the phone for that one. Um, I, uh, it was kind of a crazy, it was a crazy, it was probably one of my craziest, like sitting in the auction room moments because I had to be on the phone for the sale, like the wholesale with someone. And they had interest in a couple of lots and we were going through, you know, I think we were, we bid on a couple of things and then we were about five lots away from the, the bacon triptych and they say, can you just pay attention when the bacon comes up? Cause we may bid. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and if you watch that, you can really see it now. Cause they're like the way the camera angles and everything, you can see how choreographed everything is in the auction. And you up there on the rostrum and he has in his auctioneer's book and having had the auctioneer's meeting, he knows where each one of these, you know, not where they're going to go, but where bids should come in from at least from a telephone and typically as well in the room. And he was, it was one of those that started at around 70, I think. And it just ran up really quickly. There's people in the room, people on the phones. And it kind of came down to Sin Lee uh, with a client in Asia on the phone. And we were, you know, I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, I think it's going to come down. He's, all right, go ahead and bid. My hand comes up and you see it, almost like a question mark was like, the bids with luck? <laughs> so. We keep going and it's like, you know, it's just two of us duking this thing out. And every time I got, got to me, it was just bid, bid, bid. And every time I got to sin, she would take like 30 seconds chatting with her client on the phone and it was just dragging on. And I'm just hearing, I mean, everyone kept saying, you look so relaxed and you're like smiling. And I was like, only cause it's just like, have the fucking thing down. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it just kept going. And then at one point, it was taking forever. And then it comes to us and Klein said, why don't we make UC sweat a little bit? And I was like, Oh God, what do you mean? It's like, just, just hang for a minute. And so I'm sitting there and I got my hand up, you know, give me a second. And then UC says to me, lock, um, you know, can, uh, I think we can hurry this along a little bit. And I don't know what came over me. I put the phone down and I said, sir, You've given my colleague enough time. I think you can give me a, a couple more seconds to think about this. And then like, I picked the phone back up and they're like, brilliant. Go ahead, bid. And that was the one we got it on. And I mean, I, everyone that was behind the roster was like, what the fuck? Uh, and if you watch the video of it now, they edited out me saying anything. They did like this whole back and forth and it was just, that part of it was cut out. <laughs> um, what, what did he say to you if you can tell us after, after the sale closed you know he never brought it up and i'm still very good friends with you see to this day but it was one of those like I, I just literally don't know what came over me and it was either a stroke of brilliance or uh yeah just a kind of totally Cause in, in the best uh, possible way i find him fairly intimidating when he's up there in oh yeah oh yeah yeah he can be 
Yeah, I'm not he's an, he's an intense look. I mean, anytime a junior or a, a, not a junior, another auctioneer is taking a sale and he is in the room, I feel so bad for them. Like I think it was uh, last fall when Michael McCauley was taking his first kind of evening sale. Maybe it was the contemporary curated. I was oh, just yeah, watching the intensity of Juicy watch, like watching the auction, not as a bidder, but as a uh, you know, as a yeah, as an auctioneer. And I was like, man, that would freak me out if I were up there and I locked eyes with him or just glanced and saw him. Yeah, I mean. Uh... It's, it's a tough position to be in up there. And I think, I don't know if I ever told you this with um, Christopher Burge and what he used to do with the big clerks when they first started. So basically, you know, you're up there, you're usually like in your early 20s and you have to stand up on the rostrum with them. And they do this sort of pre-auction meeting where you're going through each lot. You think who's going to be on there? Who should we be looking for? And uh, someone from the bids department would say, Okay, so Mr. Burge is very particular about everything that he wants. Um, he always has a glass of scotch before uh, going up, and he does this, this, and this. And then they said a lot of times he's so nervous that his hair gets messed up, so you have to brush his hair. And they're like, wait, what? And he would get into the meeting, and then he would be sitting there with his glass of whiskey, and the person would come up and sit down and go through everything, and then he would just hand them a brush. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's wow. like a total joke. It's a total joke. Um, but it was a it was a good icebreaker, I think, for anyone who was getting up for the first time. Um, just real quickly, I want to mention before we get into the twenty first century. Um, I was interested to see this Cindy Sherman photograph from the Monster mm-hmm. series placed in an evening sale like this in a twentieth century evening sale uh, at an estimate of like one hundred to one fifty. And I'm fairly involved in this market. I love this series. It's never really set the market space on fire. I think this is lot 126 from a distinguished private collection. Um, it's a great photograph. I would love to own it. Um, but I, there must be something going on behind the scenes that the house seems to know about or are trying to make a consigner very happy because you know, it, it just seems unusual at this estimate and this work to be here. I mean, I get the sense it's from a bigger collection because they bought it in 1985. Uh, mm-hmm. And I also assume there's probably one or two more things that are in the sale. And that was kind of probably a, you know, a negotiating tactic to get this thing in there as well. So it got more attention. But you know, they have also put it in the general you know group. It's not like the last lot in the sale. So, you know, hopefully it's a kind of come get me estimate for something like this. It may, it may well be for me. Uh, moving into things I know Ooh, can, a little bit can more. I do yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. Two other things yeah. we can't we can't not talk about the Warhol disaster. Yeah. I mean, they've got an estimate on you know on request. It's eighty million, um, no guarantee. Um, they've kind of said who they think the collector is. So I don't want to repeat it unless I know for sure. Um, and uh, it was originally in Heinrich Friedrich's collection, who was the one who established Dia, his wife uh, Philippa. And uh, it was last at auction in 1987 and sold for $660,000. So, I, you know, it's a huge jump in terms of, you know, the, that market. But I think it's going to be a tough go. I mean, the last big car crash made $105 million, but I still think the market's different. And, you know, on that line, I was uh, also checking to see... Um, you know, what sort of numbers we put on uh, the old shot sage blue Maryland uh, from the last one. And I, 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 at least I was closest at 260, but uh, <laughs> Nate was aggressive at 350. I was, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I would be less aggressive about this white disaster. Um, 100%. You know, I, there's something about the Maryland that I thought might've sparked something, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, I think this will also have some trouble 
getting what above 80, right? I mean, I, I think this should be coming in at 60 to 80 max, but you yeah, know, max, that even like. seems aggressive to me. Like right now, and it's a great, it's, I think the series is great, you know, but it's a very like, and it's monumental. So it's not going to go in anyone's sort of living room. And it's, um, it's a little, because it's more the black and white, I find it, it's, it's less of that kind of commercial. I like the ones that are much more sort of like full and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to hate me for continuing on with this, but, um, one of my favorite works in the sale is the Boeti Mappa. I love it which, too. I was, I was going to bring it up. It's coming from the uh, the Caro uh, Fondazione Caro, um, but it's one of the largest from that that Mappa series, and um, it was one that was done in Peshawar in Pakistan. But when he started doing this in 1971, they were originally in Afghanistan, and then you know he kind of carried this on until he died in 1994. But you know what I find what I love about these works is that. You know, he had he had to stop going to Afghanistan when the Soviet Union came in in uh, 1979. But when you get ones, especially this large, we can really see that, you know, a lot of countries don't appear on it, like Ukraine or Belarus. And some places like Israel were not on there because of the Taliban regime. Um, they did not recognize its existence, so you won't see it on there. And some countries, like, you know, they change, like Zaire or USSR. So it's just that I love this kind of, like, changing history throughout his, his sort of career of making his maps. These are great works that are between kind of cons- a conceptual practice and a really craft-based practice, which I find interesting, and especially this coming at the very close of the Cold War and the beginning of Glasnost. You really you catch a frozen moment of history when all these things are in flux, national borders, and the way the world is organized. And I think, I mean, I'm a huge Boete guy. It's a massive, massive piece. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen, I think I've seen one larger than this that was exhibited at, at one of the first art Basels in Hong Kong, but it's incredible in person. Um, yeah. I'm just, I'm not, I, I don't know enough about this market to say, you know, if this estimate is attractive or punchy or not. I mean, it's a record price if it sells on one bid. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's what, you know, I'm saying, I, I do know what I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was set in October uh, in Paris for 5.5. So, I mean, obviously it's a different scaled work, but, you know, this is coming out of the gates, you know, with a record. So we'll see. Yeah, and it's in a New York evening sale and not in Paris. So, you know, there's going to yeah. be some, right. some premium just for that. I think um, and it'll go somewhere, honestly. I think there's a, there's there's a few people in the world who really want this. Yeah. Um, anything else um, in the sale, Nate, or should we move on? All right. I, I'm ready to move yeah. on, I think. That, yeah. I wanted to talk about the Mapo. That, that was it. All right. So we got uh, that same night uh, starting uh, uh, starting after, no, starting before the new now. Is the new now before at 6 o'clock? believe so oh yeah um, it is now yeah it is it is before sorry yeah yeah that's fine oh, man. M- means i can leave early um <laughs> so uh, a whole bunch of new there? names i mean there's a whole bunch of new names that i don't i don't want to get bogged down in or, or relatively new names the louis fortino i don't know anything about uh julian Neugen, i'm not sure it's the best example an incredible elizabeth payton and you've seen such an increased yeah. uh interest in this market mm. you know she had her moment and then, you know, kind of got very quiet. And I, I think it's a good example of careers, market careers, uh, even of living artists being long continuums. Uh, the same thing you see with Cecily Brown. You see this renewed interest in figurative painting. And Elizabeth was doing it really 
in that period and now kind of better than anyone else. Um, and you have like a, a great kind of one, two, three punch within the, the beginning portion of the sales of Peyton, the Charlene Von Heil and the Jacqueline Humphreys, um, three artists yeah. that have been making work consistently for a really long time. And the market has been there and not there. And, and for the latter two, uh, uh, really not there. Um, and especially with Jacqueline, like there's all this renewed interest and this is a really prime and great example. I think it's mostly a U.S. and European market at this moment, but um, you know, with a sold-out show at um, Carol Green's gallery, I expect that to do quite mm. good. Um, and then followed by Avery Singer, a new generation who like I've been hot and cold on the work. This though, if if you're into Avery Singer, uh, this is the it's best example I've seen come up in, in a secondary market sale uh, ever. Um, it seems like a very aggressive estimate to me. Um, it's one of those things where there just hasn't been that much on the secondary market recently. Um, but it is a killer picture with a lot of wall power. Do we, um, do we know who's selling it? Do you have any idea? I don't know who's selling this, bought, no. Bought it from Gavin in 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know who's buying it. We, we could, we could, I could text Gavin and see if he'll let us know. I'm sure he's thrilled about it. <laughs> um, I'm sure he's not thrilled. Um, oh, not his artist, man. Um, anyway, uh, I just, I, I just think it's interesting. Um, uh, the Nara, uh, great picture, huge estimate, I believe for a work from this era, uh, if it sells here, at least publicly, um, this is a relatively recent picture from two years ago. Um, it would be the highest price paid for one of these newer series of works by Nara, uh, in the public. Yeah, there was sort of like, I mean, there was one from 2014 called Oddly Cozy, which made sort of $14 million, slightly smaller. I mean, this is a great, you know, striking image. It was just in that LACMA retrospective that I saw, uh, was it two years ago? But I mean, when we were talking earlier about this incredible provenance of works, this is like the complete, you know, opposite where you've got Anara that was painted in 2020 and is now finding itself to auction. You got an Anna that was painted in 2021. That's now in an evening sale. It's, like, uh, it's it's crazy sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and these these kind of new nows, whatever the other houses call them, oftentimes these kind of high end but uh, relatively wet paint blue chippy sales, uh, or temporary blue chip if you want to call it that. Uh, and, you know, but then there's also an incredible Albert Olin in here, which, you know, if you look at the estimate yeah. on the Albert Olin oh. next to something, for instance, like the Avery Singer, um, you know, uh, there's crazy. a whole story there. Um, right. And, you know, kind of a, a not my favorite Jonas to clipping. These haven't been that desirable in the marketplace recently, the series. Um, and I'm not sure if they're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how much bidding uh, work like this, even an attractive estimate um, kind of gets right now. Um, that's kind of all I have that's that interesting to me. I happen to love Carol Beauvais, and I love this. Uh, I love seeing her move into the evening sales. Again, I'm not sure if this is exactly the right work that people are thirsty for. Um, it's a monochrome as opposed to the dual colored of these 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 later large uh, uh, anodized uh, uh, kind of um, powder-coated sculptures. So interested there. Um, but I don't have anything else from this sale. I do want to return. We have a couple of Mark Grochons coming up in evening sales. I think I'll wait until we're a little bit further along to bring up some points about his market and maybe why we're seeing so many right now. Mm. What's next, Nathan? Are we, we... Going, we going down to 56th and Park, no longer 57th and Park, to, to head uh, over let, to, let's, the, let's the, for, to the, your... the reportedly for sale Phillips auction house? Yeah, right. What's the Leonid's price? 
Well, 500 been five hundred yeah. been batted around. It seems like they've poured a lot of money into this over the years. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I think I think their life is probably fairly complicated operating as Russian naturals, nationals in a Western yeah. business uh, zone right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if that's a natural price or a somewhat distressed price. Yeah, I also, I don't know what kind of real estate comes with it and all these, you know, what exactly. Yeah, I mean, does that, does that include debt? the building on Barclay Square? Do they hold the building and, and lease it back to the house? I mean, that's probably a good exactly. deal. Exactly. I, I can't recall. They don't own that Barclay Square. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. They, they do. They do? I, yeah. I remember it. I yeah. remember the price being bandied about is somewhere around a billion with a B dollars for that building. Yeah. Oh, certainly. Yeah, that is crazy real estate. Um, I don't actually. Do, I have very few notes here in my book about the Phillips sale. Um, you know, there, there, there's some interesting things. Was there anything that stuck out? Uh, stuck out to either of you? Well, there's the Twombly. We can talk about the Twombly. I mean, that's the main thing for me. Um, first, I just want to say a big shout out to Andy Massett who joined uh, Phillips, mm-hmm. mentor in my in for me at Christie's and brought me into the great department. Guy. So great guy. So one of the one of the one of the true gentlemen in our trade. Exactly. Encyclopedia. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Twombly is great. I think it's a huge coup for um, for Phillips to get it. Um, and it's guaranteed at 35 to 45 million it used to be in Pino's collection. I'm curious why he sold it in the first place, but uh, it's you know it's one of these that it's you know, kind of what everyone's been looking for. You get these questions constantly from collectors for these you know, monumental, late, colorful boxes. It's incredible, and they've done a really good job in the display of this in the sales room. They built a little chapel for it, kind of up that grand staircase in their new space, and uh, it feels very special um, to experience mm-hmm. it in person. Um, I was just really drawn. I mean, this isn't a market thing, but like the oxidation painting is incredible. Um, reports are that it comes from the collection of a gentleman in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, and mm, I absolutely yeah. love this painting. They've never been a tough, uh, they've never been an easy thing to, to, to move in the marketplace. But I think for, for someone with true, true taste and sophistication, it looks incredible in the view too. I would, I would, I would love to own this painting is what I'm trying to say. So if anyone wants to loan me. I bet you it's a two to three million. Yeah. And we'll every time I see one, though, I think about did you did you ever see the Basquiat movie that Schnabel did? Yeah, of course. And they're like in the studio, and he's like, "These are great. He's drinking this this you know new Mexican beer, and it's getting like it's like every time I picture one of them, I just think about that scene of just someone pissing on it top makes of them the cooler, honestly. Yeah, you know. I, mean, I will mention that, you know, uh, just because they, they they have, um, I would argue, probably the nicest of the Grochons in the evening sale, or, or one of the nicest of the Grochons in the evening sale. I think it's so many uh, interesting to see that there's like one, two, like three in evening sales, a couple of works of paper. Um, there's the really nice work of paper in the Allen sale uh, by Mark mm. Grochon that ended up doing quite well for 600 to 800 estimate, made a little bit over a million dollars, which is what the which right. feels like the natural price to me. Um, but, you know, his market has not been as active over the past little bit. Um, obviously, there's, uh, you know, you know, the estimate on this one at Phillips is, hold on, I lost my place here. 8 to 12. Yeah. Is 8 to 12. The, the record for pictures of the scale, uh, the public record is like 15, although privately they've sold, they, they sold at the height for as much as 20, 25 million. 20, 25, I've heard, yeah, you know, five. somewhere in that zone. 
Um, so I'm just wondering why I, I, I'm, I'm wondering why so many are coming up now and why people are selling them. I don't have an answer, but it, it struck me walking through the views even more so than looking at the sales online. Uh, how much mark is out there? Well, you got the recent show at Gagosian, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, there was the show a year ago in Los Angeles at, at Bumpel. I thought it was fantastic. Maybe just just residual momentum. Yes. Yeah, I'm just not sure if there actually is momentum there. I think we'll we'll see after this week, um, or if this yeah. is kind of a, uh, this is kind of people getting out while they can in their feeling. You know, it's just real tough to be a living uh, middle aged uh, kind of white dude painter right now. It feels like in the marketplace, just not where a lot of uh, a lot of focus is on. Um, but I I love them all. I think this one at Phillips is the best of the bunch, and I, I would I would love to be able to bid on it. Uh, moving, uh, moving right along over to, uh, your forming, former stopping grounds, uh, in Rockefeller center lock. Uh, what are we oh. looking forward to? We get it. We get a, we get an early five thirty PM start for the 20th century evening sale. Is that what we should yeah. kick things off or do you have some other things? No, no. I think, uh, let's start with the, do you want to do 20th century? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, again, another great collection. They've got a uh, Roger Sant collection. Who's the uh, energy executive and collections valued around fifty million dollars? So proceeds from the sale are going to basically benefit the Summit Foundation, which is his family family's private foundation. So again, more things going to charity, which is great to see. Um, you know, have got a you know Paul Gauguin from what was painted in Brittany, Tebow, Kelly, Mitchell, Judd, Leger. It's a very scattered group, but they also had this great large late Mitchell diptych, which is estimated at 10 to 15 million. And I think off the backs of the LVMH Monet Mitchell show, we, you know, you should definitely see some, some sparks there. Um, and there's also the collection, continued collection of Thomas and Doris Anon. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Twombly, Ryman, Wool, Martin, Kippenberger, and they've got kind of a combined total of $18.8 million low estimate. And <laughs> I wasn't sure why they'd be doing a separate sale, but I think there was enough crossover with things like the Ryman and Martins that would have maybe made too much competition at the time. Uh, but it's, you know, it's, it's just more, you know, great works from them coming out. And then I think the last collection that I noted was uh, Ag Agnes Gunn's, um, another charity. Um, she's selling uh, Roy Lichtenstein's Mirror Number no. 5, which... Beautiful example. I love this series. Uh, it's from 1970, estimated three to three and a half to five and a half. And the Macklers had one that was the same size, same year, that was estimated at one and a half to two and made six. So I think this should be, you know, comfortable. I love this artwork so fucking much. It looks amazing in the view. It is beyond chic. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's going to to benefit a fund for reproductive rights. You know, Aggie, one of the yeah. most active philanthropists around. Um, yeah, I was tripping out on this for a while this morning, actually. Um, one of the reasons why I was a bit late. I like this piece an awful lot. Yeah, it's so Me too. Um, also on the kind of like newer to newer to evening sale kind of things, um, the, the pin, Pindell is fantastic, uh, which is lot one. I think they're trying to get something going with that market. Um, and it really feels like the real deal when you stand in front of it. It's a real monumental picture. Yeah, I mean, it's these are kind of newer works to the kind of auction market at least uh, they had um a work in the may uh christie sale that sold for one million one hundred thirty four thousand against an estimate of three to three hundred to four hundred um and the, 
previous record before, a year before that was for smaller work, but at like Swan Galleries and made 137. So it was sort of this breakout price. Um, but, you know, it's sort of within that kind of zeitgeist of what everyone's looking for and, you know, monumental, beautiful, you know, abstract female artists. So. Shout out to Swan for like leading the charge in a lot of these artists that oh, the rest of the art market oh, yeah. is only now focused on. Like they were really doing Lord's work in a lot of ways, a lot of names that were, you know, that weren't on my radar uh, that they put there. Um, and I think the if that's the first lot of the sale, I think the last lot of the sale that Ernie Barnes also uh, bears mentioning in the same way. Coming off of Sugar Shack, it's really an unsettled market right now. People don't know what is worth what because we have one outlier um, result. And it's really, you know, he has multiple multiple subject matters within his bodies of work and multiple errors where he's making things. And I think the market's still trying to figure out what is the most valued. It's probably these crowd scenes that focus on music. Interestingly enough, the sports scenes, I think, my senses, and I'll be borne out, I think, uh, after this week, are somewhat, even though he was a professional football player, the sports scenes come one click beneath that. Um, and then the earlier picture is somewhat more desirable than the latter. But I'm interested to find out what the market, if the mar- if my instinct is is borne out by the market after this week because there's a number of pictures at all the houses of a number of different uh subject matters well it was sort of that first one to come out the gates was you know the best and that so rarely happens with the market and right kind of helps light it on fire but like that was one of the craziest bidding scenes i've ever seen in my life because you know the majority of it was done by two different people the bids were done in like the craziest way and it was yelling out i mean it was uh, it was it was pure theater to say the least so um that was the most fun i've had in, and, in a while yeah yeah it was actually it was actually yeah, a, fun, a fun a fun lot um yeah that was yeah. actually quite quite good um and i think the other thing that kind of jumped out at me was that great decooning coming up um it's 1978 so you want you know if you're going the kind of the later side, you know, in 77, 78, it's like the best. And this is just super juicy, beautiful colors. Um, purchased originally from the de Kooning family in 2014. And it was in uh, this Royal Academy show in 1981 called A New Spirit in Painting. And it was curated by um, Krista Jacomides and Nicholas Sirota. And I was chatting with Norman Rosenthal recently and he went on for like half an hour about this exhibition. It was the most important show he'd ever worked on. It's one of the wildest curated shows, especially for that moment in time in 81. But, you know, good to see that, you know, that's coming up. And, you know, it's it's got a healthy estimate on request at around 35. Um, you know, you uh, there there is precedent. Obviously, there was another work from this sort of period that sold for $68.9 million. But, um, yeah. I think it's just a really nice commercial, beautiful work. Um, one of the great, uh, you know, because this this sale spans so many decades, uh, there's some great moments in the view. Like the Mirandi is seated next to the Ellsworth Kelly in green. Uh, two practices you wouldn't think have anything together, but they actually worked really well together. And I was mm. just tripping out on, uh, you know, which I'm sure was a, a function of space and, and, and obligations to consigners, but it was like a, a very nice moment. You could see them living together beyond even a sale. Mm. Uh, moving further into, do, is there anything else in here that bears a uh, explication for the people, for the audience? I mean, that's that's it on my side. Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Sort of move on to the twenty first century. There's yeah. a lot going on in the sale. I feel like 
in the 21st yeah. century. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. you know, we have a couple of interesting consigners. We have a couple of charity lots. Mm -hmm. Rashid gave a really nice uh, uh, surrender white crowd painting for charity. Um, mm -hmm. We have a, a, like a nice Noah Davis. Uh, and then we have some, some people that have been, at least in my part of the market, highly desirable. And we don't see a lot of A examples come up. Um, Dana Schutz, I think, is uh, is prime here with one of her elevator paintings. This is from a show at Petzelis's lot, uh, the eighth lot in the sale, 108. Um, these are like, these are what people have in the past fought over or made crazy blind offers uh, on. And I'm interested to see if this flies. It is still a punchy estimate, I would say. Mm. Uh, most people would okay. offer two five all in in a private treaty transaction for this, whether yeah. or not it closes there. But that's, I mean, that's in my experience, not for this exact picture. To be clear, right, um, but I know the series, and, and they're all very, very. I think yeah, every game in the series. Is I, great. I think off an estimate of, of one five to two, or even one to one five, like this actually would have flown. Uh, would have encouraged more bidding at the low end. Um, I'm sure this is what the house had to do in order to secure it. Um, it is not guaranteed based on my notes. Um, but I can't read these symbols, man. Um, so that stood out to me. I mean, you know, obviously in the more, um, you know, uh, you know, in the more headline grabbing pictures, we have the reemergence of this Sugar Ray Robinson from Jean-Michel Basquiat, an incredible picture from 1982 when the artist argued that at the height of his powers, um, super yep. incredible colors is given pride of place in the view. I think most people uh, agree that this that. is like, is likely coming from uh, from uh, certain um, sporting aficionados in the state of Nevada. Um, what do we think of this picture? Oh, so Brett sold it to them on Instagram. That's the story. So basically, it went. It came up at Christie's in two thousand seven. Came from I won't even say his name, but anyway, a Dutch collector. And then um, it was bought. It was estimated at six to eight million dollars and sold for seven point three all in. Which was a you know good price at the time. Uh, Lawrence Graff bought it, and then yeah, but... it went to uh, Christie's Hong Kong show, The Loaded Brush. That's the one that, when Brett was still there and curated it, and then apparently sold off of Instagram. Yeah. To to some fight loving brothers from Las Vegas. I have to say, been... someone on Instagram did some crazy deep diving on this, and they pulled out this like ridiculous like like las vegas journal you know it was like some random magazine and shout out to that account i think it's called brought in an auction on instagram yeah uh, yeah for, for doing yeah. the i don't the know people's it is, work. It's, it's very good yeah we gotta give some it. credit on that because that, that was them there was almost like anger in some of them i love it it just really like died, yeah, i think it's someone that's in. in the market but not really in the market and it comes through yeah. and i really i value that um i do do love it <laughs> um what do they what do they what do they put the estimate on this i don't have it down here uh, they have done Espinal request, but it's in the region of $35 million. Great. Yeah. That seems. Um, Sorry. Phone call I, coming I in. But, that, but that seems reasonable. I would. Yeah, we'll get to Dyson in a totally second. I agree. I mean, I okay. think, you know, upwards, you know, over 40, between 40 and 50 seems like a, uh, seems like a, a likely price for this. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's highly desirable. It's it's kind of everything you want in a Basquiat. It's and I think it's frankly, he's got the room to do it based on the discussed prices at the time of his acquisition number. So I, I think it's you know should should have some legs. Um, but returning to what Nate was going to say, I'm in, and am interested in Dacius's consigning of the Charles Ray. 
uh, incredible, incredible work, but a tough auction work, I would argue. The Revolution Counter Revolution, the um, uh, Children's Carousel, the Jeff Koons Liquor Bottle. Again, maybe not the hottest market for Jeff Koons works uh, priced above $15 million right now. Uh, and is there something else from Docus that we know of in the sale, Nate? I think it's just those two, no? It's it's just, just those, those two, two yeah. but I know that Docus, Docus tried to sell his Earth Fisher bread house at Basel through Deitch a year and a half ago, and that didn't sell. Um, I'm just, just wondering why he's, he's putting these things out in the market right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's estimated 15 to 20. The last one that came up, I mean, arguably it was 2014, different market for... Um, different market for the artist but you know it sold uh it was an estimated 25 and made 33.7 million dollars so at 15 to 20 it seems like a safe bet i just don't know i mean these are super rare the, you know the broads got one and it's uh, sort of art history beyond the kind of like the work you were just discussing in the last podcast it's not that like this is like the you know the pinnacle i think for somebody's you know, these early examples by Coons. It's not Popples. Yeah. Not Popples. No, no I mean, it I doesn't have the pop. You know, it, no, I mean, seeing it in at the Broad is, it, it, it's a true highlight of all the Coons work there, uh, even. And, and I think, yeah, it's for a real Coons head, like myself, even. You know, I think it, it rules. And the, and the Charles Ray looks awesome, too. It's funny. I think someone was trying to put together the whole train set, but then they realized the track doesn't actually you need to have like the specific track for this one <laughs> amazing amazing um yeah so that's interesting um i mean the Onkawara is incredible october oh, 27 yeah. 1982 with the full newspaper i love that they displayed it not just in the catalog but on view uh, which i think is important um i fucking love this artwork it's amazing and it's so rare to get these large-scale ones mm-hmm. and great year um the one that really piques my interest is, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the first name right, John Quick to See Smith? June, yeah. June Quick to See Smith? Um, this is another one like the the last lot one, the Pinnell, but, um, uh, you know, she again, it's like Hinman's auctions of Western art and Native American art, an estimate of 10 to 15 recently, and sold for $350,000. And... Mm-hmm. You were only really seeing these sort of at, you know, Bonhams, Rago, Revere auctions. But I think they've got a very good painting and it should hopefully kind of start a market for an 82-year-old Native American woman who is, she has works in, you know, the Walker, MoMA, Brooklyn, the Met, the Whitney. And I was reading that um, in 2020, the National Gallery of Art announced buying a painting of hers and uh it was the first painting that they have in their collection by a native american artist wow 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 that's, that's incredible wild. yeah I, yeah. I mean i'm so happy to see something like this as a lot one as opposed to you know uh, a, a 27 year old painter um and i think it's you know <laughs> but I, and i think more broadly you know if if the past really five years at this point now have been re-looking at practices that were perhaps left behind by the mainstream of art history because they were made by people that were themselves marginalized, people of color and, uh, uh, and, and marginalized sexualities. Um, it would make sense that we turn inward to the, the artwork uh, by Native peoples or First Nation peoples. Um, I love this in the view. Uh, I think it's incredible. I wish I had known yeah. about it three years ago. 
Um, yeah. I, I think that this will really, really fly. And I don't mean that from an investment standpoint. I would just love to have one. I think it's a, a kind of valid process that is both outside the mainstream of art history, but fits really well within it. Um, there's a lot of commonalities exactly. if you're if you're a collector of, of, of post-war and contemporary art. Um, a couple of names that haven't really been in evening sales for a while um, that I wanted to highlight, especially the Wade Guyton uh, an X painting. Um, and, uh, you know, these were, these were trading for, you know, two, $2.5, $3 million at a certain point in time. And now we have an estimate of one to one, 5 million. Uh, and I think it's very attractive for people at that estimate. And there's a lot of people sniffing around it. You know, this is one of the markets you can argue along with Chris Wool that the involvement of certain people like Mr. Indigo Philbrick, who ended up having a downfall, you know, really hurt the markets um, because they kind of pumped them up to an unsustainable amount with perhaps purloined monies or, or you know, using unethical business practices. And but I think it's a valuable practice, and I'm I'm interested to see how this does. I don't think it will fly, but I think it will sell well within the estimate. I have to say I would agree. It was interesting for me in FIAC. We had one uh, like a little early flaming U on the outside wall, and it was the first thing to sell, and it was the most asked about thing or work on the booth. Uh, I think we must have had 15 to 20 people a day asking the price, and not in a kind of curious way, but like very interested way. Um, so it seems like there's this kind of groundswell happening, people realizing importance of the works that the market had, had taken you know been depressed because of the sort of indigo situation and that it's something to kind of buy at you know a more reasonable level i think what happened with with a number of artists and this isn't just about uh indigo is that there's a natural price curve where things people realize they're important yeah. people have museum exhibitions and the price rises naturally and i think certain people got involved in this market from an investment standpoint, trying to artificially jump it up a few levels before the natural market was ready to support it at that stage. Mm -hmm. I think now we see a revert to mean to where the market would have been perhaps. Um, and hopefully there'll be enough broad based support and depth to kind of continue that, um, for these artist market spaces. I agree. Um, and that's my hope anyway. And I, I think that, I think that's what's happened and hopefully, you know, and, and some of the artists will be able to survive that artificial bump and some, a lot of them won't. Hopefully this is an artist whose kind of museum and institutional support will strengthen, will, will allow that to strengthen naturally. Um, I'm really not interested in, but this Martin Kippenberger, which looks very familiar for me, lot 127, um, it's entitled, um, it's definitely been an auction before. Um, it might've been it was Phillips. art fairs before. Maybe that's why it's so familiar to me. Uh, and this is also from the Amon uh, Amon collection, um, but it's a it's a great that example. Basquiat that's in there is kind of funky. I mean, I know it's coming from this this collection, but uh, you know, it's not in any literature other than their own published books. It's not, definitely not a overly commercial example, but uh, it's it's a little challenging to have without. It's kind of a crown. It's almost a crown in there. <laughs> I mean, I guess it is a crown and it's gold. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, it is a crown. I'm no longer as versed in, in kind of pricing based just on looking something by Basquiat as I used to be. This doesn't feel like $4.5 million all in to me, um, or $5 million, no. I guess, with the new structure. Um, this seems like it's going to be a tough go, but obviously uh, it will go. Huh. Well, is this guaranteed? No, it's not. I don't think so. Odds of this being withdrawn prior to sale? Anyone? 
I mean, not the issue is not, not, be, the, not, not because it's not right. I want to be Yeah, no, I want to yeah. be clear. Yeah, yeah, I want to be clear. Or, or they're able to do some uh, some strong arming on the reserve, which might be necessary to get it off and match it up with a uh, perhaps someone. That's who's what I think. I mean, in the at the end of the day, it feels market. it feels rich in terms of the price point, um, and I, I, I don't imagine that they're going to sell it for four. I mean, I think we've spoken this about before. I mean, the 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 tenuous space between an unsuccessful and a very successful market often relies upon specialists being able to convince their consigners to crunch their reserves down. And oftentimes, after a sale that's you know that's had a, a strong sell through rate, and and I hear it happening, and you know I see where I see where the auctioneer starts the chandelier, being like, oh yeah, they got that reserve down and they matched it. And I'm always very impressed because yeah. it's a hard conversation to have with a consigner. This work that I pressed you uh, potentially to consign to me for sale that I told you would do really well doesn't look like it's going to sell unless you take 70 percent of what i said i'd probably be able to get you it's an uncomfortable conversation i've had to have a couple of times yeah yeah i'm just i it, my heart goes out to them they're, they're doing the lord's work and uh, uh we see you out here we see you um a couple more things i want to mention just because they're markets that i know a bit about i was interested to see this incredible alex de corte the pied piper uh it's an incredible yeah, artwork by him well. Uh, that was it was the a piece there was a show of these kind of soft wall-based sculptures at the karma gallery in new york's east village this was clearly to my eye the best one uh you know i'm not salty about it anymore but I definitely this was my first choice and i had to get one of the ones that was not my first choice um so i'm interested to see it up here in a sales room at a pretty conservative estimate these these retail that i forget what it was but it's maybe about 75 to 100 grand something like that very little money um obviously someone that has had a lot of curatorial and institutional attention but there's never really been a piece that's come up that's really been a market but you know there's gone bananas in the market this is a little bit weird and quite odd but it's at least a discrete object that goes on the wall so i wonder if this will set something off you know it tends to be when young artists move over to matthew marks you know things begin to get locked down. So the odds of getting a significant work by him, um, especially right. if it's not time-based, might yeah. be tough. So I'm wondering if someone will, will go hard for it. Uh, a couple more Grochons uh, and a, a lovely blue painting that I actually think is, for a connoisseur, the best of the bunch. Um, mm. uh, so those are some things that stood out to me from the sale. Um, you know, great wool, um, you know, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. Um, I do want to mention a couple of day sale things without going through them all, unless you have anything else from the sale that you wanted to mention, Locke or, or Nate? No, that was it for mine. I mean, I was actually, we do have the same trifecta of Anna Wyatt at all three houses. Um, but sure. I'm curious to see what, what does happen with that. Especially yeah, I think that about. market for the present moment is effectively towards its end, if not over. Yeah. I, we'll I think the, the golden goose got flogged a little bit too much and, uh, you know, um, interesting painter, you know, has a show up at Gagosian right now. They didn't have any trouble selling those primary pictures, I don't think. Um, but I think that the thirst for secondary ones has maybe dried up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, no judgment on the art or the artist, but just uh, the market is what the market is. Um, so, you know, an artist that I've been interested in years, have placed some, sold an awful lot, including at world record prices at the time, uh, around 2014-15, is Tauba Auerbach. Um, there had been very little in the market, little excitement, and then the Makalo piece um, kind of reverted 
uh, you know, uh, reverted to a price that would have been paid in 2014 or 15 at 1.8 all in. Um, now we have four, none of which are from the highly desirable fold series. We have uh, two of these woven paintings and then two of the newer paintings. I forget what the series are called. I happen to like them very much as artworks, but um, they're super low estimates. And again, I'm just interested to see, I wonder if people sold these because they saw that Makalo uh, price made and felt like this was the time where they could most likely realize they're, you know, some sort of gain or, or parody in what they paid primary for them. Um, I don't think that they will do exceptionally well, but I think if I had a little kit of money just to buy things that will be potentially important in 20 years, um, these are something I might go after. Um, and I was also just kind of, you know, because there's a big show of paintings by Sterling Ruby that Nate and I both saw last week at the Gagosian Gallery. I think we both thought it was an exceptional show. Went to a big dinner party. They sold them all out at pretty reasonable prices. This is the first sale I can remember in a long time when there's across all the houses there's only a single Sterling Ruby on offer. And it's a sculpture uh, in the Phillips Day Scale uh, Day Sale. It's one of these cool little kind of outdoor oven type things, which you know kind of go nice outside your ski schloss or something like that. Um, I was just interested to see what artists are showing up a lot in auctions. Someone like Tauba uh, versus someone like Sterling. You know, arguably of the same generation and and kind of came to the market at the same time. So these are a couple of trends I saw uh, between the the hundreds and hundreds of disparate artworks for offer in the day sales. That's all I got, homies, man. It's what a week. What a week we have. What a <laughs> week. I'm exhausted. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm I like I, mean, I like Locke. I think I'm only gonna be bidding in one evening sale and I think I'm gonna choose to watch it uh watch them I think at home on my couch or here in the office, um, other than the one that I'm bidding on. Because um, I feel like you you can I don't not sure if I gain as much new information by being there as I used to think I did with so much on the phone and online these days. Um, it's always nice to be seen, but my ego is feeling well stoked. Are you going to be attending some or all of the sales in person, Nate Freeman? I, I'm nev not attending all of them in person. Um, I think I will make it to maybe one or two. I mean, last week was the big sort of auction column for me. This week I'm just going to be kind of reporting some little cool stuff, but yeah, I'll be watching online. And I think with the t with the camera angles that you get now from them, you know, you actually glean a decent amount. I just remember the old camera when they finally started streaming them live was just a single camera. And now, you know, because of the theatrics of it, you can comfortably understand what's happening in the room. Sotheby's especially. Sotheby's seems to have just thrown money at, at, at this this thing. Um, yeah, well, I actually thought the Christie's, the, the, the camera work that they did for the Allen sale was incredible. Like, you know, these, you know, oh, you really? really oh, I, I, I didn't like the, see it. Oh, you, you were there live. Of course, you know, they're, they're there, editing yeah. it like they're editing like a narrative real time or documentary and they're building intention yeah. the way they go back and forth. And you can actually see uh, at least on the phone bank who's bidding. Cause oftentimes you're sitting in the room and if you're at the, if you're at the other side of where there's someone bidding on the phone bank, you can't tell which specialist it is. Um, which I always find. I know, like, put the specialist name on the screen. They had yeah. these crane, you know, on either side. They're going back and forth, up and down. I mean, it was pretty high-level stuff. I mean, the production has just gotten more and more, yeah, serious with both houses. Amazing, Locke. I, I feel smarter than I did at the beginning of this. That's not wasn't too much of a lecture. <laughs> no, no, no. no. We, the, the people love it. This is the, you, you are the most listened to guest in Nota Bene history time and time again. Mm -hmm. And like, I get a lot out of yeah. it. I learned about all sorts of stuff I didn't know. Uh, we're sad not to have you here in person, but we're, we're looking forward to seeing you on the beach in Miami. We'll be cracking some crabs, crabs. In, crabs in just a few weeks. 
I can taste them already. I am going to hustle my butt this afternoon. I got to I got to actually sell some place some artwork real quickly, but once that's done, I'm going to try and edit this and get it up before the sale tonight so people can 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 That'd be amazing. sit in the sales wow. room waiting for the late start and uh, and listen to it. No promises, but that's my goal. Thank you Locke Kressler. Thank you Nate. For Thank you Locke. You're the best. Good Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>